Peace be with you. Happy birthday, Ed. Yeah. How many trips around the sun is that, Ed? How many trips around the sun? <laughs> we got a, a calculator. Okay. Well, God bless you, and especially God bless Everybody you, Sharon. So and thank you for being that powerful team. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. And uh, we missed you yesterday in our men's group, but we, we persevered on there. And if your ears were burning, we were why you come every every Saturday that way you know that uh, you know <laughs> you can defend yourself in the men's Bible study on Saturday mornings at eight o'clock this month I would like to point you to uh, the bulletin here and a ministry that I absolutely love you're going to hear me say it every Sunday until the end of this month our offerings for in the mission jar are going to uh, the care connection over at Grace Lutheran Church, and this is a uh, ministry that they have. It's adult daycare for seniors who have Alzheimer's disease, and it is wonderful, and it is uh, the reason that I met many, many people from Grace, some of whom are here uh, today, uh, and I would like for you to prayerfully consider um, giving a, an offering of any size for this ministry. It is, it matters. It matters to everybody. So thank you for that. And I'll let you go through all of these uh, different uh, uh, messages here in the bulletin. And then just also another, um, uh, to make you aware, um, a, I don't know if it's really a plea, but yesterday at our council meeting, the discussion came up on a couple of items that are going to cost some money. And, if, you know, here you go. Here's pastor asking for money. But we have the opportunity, and we've had a drive, a pledge drive, for a sign out in front of the church here. We have the older one, um, and we have the opportunity to um, put in a, an electronic sign. And we are close, but we are in need of uh, about $12,000 um, to make this thing complete. And the price has gone up from originally when the idea was floated out there. Uh, we have uh, members that are generously donating their time and their talent, their money for uh, all of the process of the labor and the sourcing of the equipment and the pulling of the permits and all of these things. And then many of you have also donated quite generously. We are, we're, we're a little bit short. So if this is something that uh, you feel is um, uh, beneficial to this church as far as uh, people knowing who we are, where we are, and what time we meet, that would be great. Other things that we are going to be doing as well that are in part of our budget is giving a facelift to the, uh, the social hall over there. If you've noticed, there needs some paint. And so uh, we are going to be starting the process to identify uh, somebody, uh, contractors and so forth, and, and to lay out the cost before we get started on uh, painting the exterior of that and then refurbishing some of the interior as well. So these are some things that are coming up. Uh, as a pastor, it's probably one of the least 
uh, enjoyable things that I get to do, and that is ask for your money. Um, it's not for me. It, it's for this church and uh, for this ministry. So please consider that in your prayers. And this morning we have a, a, a really uh, good uh, lectionary series. This is an exciting time. We're going to be talking again about Jesus and his offices as prophet, as priest, and as king. And again, we're going to talk about prophets today. The prophet, prophet Amos and the last prophet, John the Baptist. So without further ado, would you get us started, Tim? Please stand if you're able. 
We come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins, and as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain 
whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, you granted your prophet strength to resist the temptations of the devil and courage to proclaim repentance. Give us pure hearts and minds to follow your Son faithfully, even unto suffering and death. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Peace be with you. And good morning. We're going to be reading one of Ken Keene's books that he likes immensely, the book of Amos. We're going to be uh, reading chapter 7 in this first reading, and verse 7 through 15. 7. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a, a wall that had been built true to plumb with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people, Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be destroyed, and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined with my sword. I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. 
the land cannot bear all his words. For this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. Then Amaziah said, Amos, get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Amos answered, Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd. I also took care of the sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go, prophesy to my people Israel. Join me as we read together Psalm 85 in your bulletin. Uh, we'll be reading in Psalm 85, verses 1 through 13, responsibly. Verse 1. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turn from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God, our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all the generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Listen to what God, the Lord, says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful services, but let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faith with this meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give you good, and our land needs harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. Next reading, Ephesians. We're going to be reading chapter 1. It's found in the Pew Bible on 1817. And, uh, and from chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 3 through 14. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to sonship. Very important. 
through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has really given us in the one he loves. Very important. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Very important. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included included in Christ, when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until Of course, it's very important until the redemption of those who are God's possession to praise of his glory. Friends, the reading, the word of God. Will you please stand if you're able? Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Holy Gospel this morning is indeed from St. Mark, the sixth chapter. It can be found on page 1561 in your pew Bible. Mark 6, verses 14 through 29. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist was raised from the dead, and that this, that that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. And others said he is Elijah, and still others claimed he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, 
John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. And when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came, and on his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything that you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried in to the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, he beheaded John in the prison, and he brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. And on hearing of this, John's disciples came, and they took his body, and they laid it in a tomb. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Many of you don't know, some do, that years ago, I worked for the old John's Manville Company, and I was in their commercial roofing systems division. And as a junior bird man, that's what the old timers called me, I was actually, officially, I was a territory manager. And I spent a fair amount of time at job sites and inside of job shacks and especially on top of roofs. Now, 
construction sites are inherently a very, very dangerous place to be. There are teams of workers. They're subcontractors, and they're working alongside each other in, in you know, depending on the job, some, some harmony, others not so much, but they're working alongside each other. There's a lot of activity, and it is under the direction of the general contractor, the general. And I remember back in the 80s going out to inspect a roof deck in Tulare, California. And it was a massive building, the biggest building that I'd ever walked on the deck before. The square footage was enormous. I cannot recall the exact number of skylights of this warehouse, but there had to have been more than a hundred. That day I learned to not like skylights because just the week before, an apprentice was dragging plywood sheets across the deck and he fell through one of the cutouts for the skylights. And to this day, I cannot enter a warehouse or any building with a very high ceiling without looking up and remembering that inspection and many others. And when I look up, I also remember another mentor or somebody saying, hey, don't look straight up inside the building. People could be roofing. Something could, could fall down and get you in the eyes. It's a dangerous place. So I have all of these warnings etched into my mind. Now, on a job of that size, even though it was back in the 80s, they were not always present. But on a job of that size, you have safety people observing the goings-on at all times. And these safety people are often called spotters. They are watching for people, just like me, reminding those with ears to hear to be mindful, careful, to look out for danger, to look out for openings in the roof deck. And unfortunately, there was not a spotter able to protect the one when he needed it the most. To this day, I don't really like skylights or other large holes in roofs. Did you know that the Bible also has spotters in it? Some of the spotters were called prophets, and others were called apostles. And prophets and apostles act as spiritual spotters who warn people when they are about to go into or get into spiritual danger. And in today's Old Testament, the reading comes from the writings of one of those spiritual spotters, the prophet named Amos. And God chose Amos to warn Israel and other countries. Judging by his words in today's readings, he didn't really want to be a prophet. 
He didn't really want to be the one who told Israel what kind of danger they were in, but God chose him, and he couldn't do anything about that. In today's gospel, we learn of another spotter. And the spotter was sent to warn Herod of his spiritual danger. John the baptizer was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He was the forerunner of the Messiah. And when Jesus talked about John, he said, among those born of women, none, not one, is greater than John. Now, John was the spiritual spotter that God had sent to Herod. And as we heard in our gospel, Herod had stolen the wife of his brother. And that and many other sins had placed his soul in danger. So John the baptizer warned Herod of this danger. And our readings today tell us that there is one very obvious difference between the spotter at job sites and spiritual spotters. Now, I am grateful to the spotters that warned me and others and kept us from walking over holes on job sites. However, spiritual spotters very often get no respect. The Israelites in the Old Testament reading wanted to send Amos into exile. And our gospel tells us that Herod had John beheaded. The reward for warning someone of the danger to their soul may be verbal and physical abuse or even death. God had told Amos to proclaim the many consequences of staying in their current situation of spiritual danger. Instead of listening to the warning that God gave through Amos and moving to the safety of God's salvation, they decided, they decided that Amos had to go. They suggested that he go to Judah and that he prophesy there. In John's case, he warned Herod of the dangers of adultery. Marriage is, we should all agree, marriage is not only the union between one man and one woman, but it is also a picture of the communion between Christ and his bride, the church. And Herod had not only sinned against marriage, but he also sinned against the very image that God established as a metaphor for his relationship with us. Herod was in danger of going to hell, where his soul would be lost forever. Now Herod responded to this ministry by putting John's head on a platter and giving it away kind of as a party favor to the daughter of the wife of his adultery. Being one of God's spotters can be very, very fulfilling, but it can also be very dangerous. 
because people don't always appreciate. They don't appreciate the service that spiritual spotters provide for them. God still sends spiritual spotters to watch over his people. After Jesus rose from the dead and before he ascended into heaven, he established the office of pastor. The pastor is the spiritual spotter that remains with us to this very day. God does not talk to pastors in the same way that he spoke to his apostles and the prophets. And that is because the Holy Spirit inspired the apostles and the prophets to write down the guidelines, the guidelines for spotting. They wrote it in the Bible. And pastors do their spotting according to those biblical guidelines. At least they should. Now, being a pastor can actually be just as dangerous as being an apostle or a prophet. Down through the centuries, millions of pastors have lost their lives because they faithfully proclaimed repentance and forgiveness. And it can be just as dangerous to be a spiritual spotter in modern times as it was for John the baptizer in his day. Unfortunately, or rather fortunately, this country has laws. It has laws against killing or injuring pastors. People in this country have other ways, however, they have other ways of persecuting pastors. Many people have roast pastor for Sunday dinner. After a faithful man has only done what God has called him to do. Jesus had a vision for pastors. They were to warn people. They were to warn people of spiritual danger and then tell them about the only place where spiritual safety can be found. Jesus said in Luke 24, 47, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in, this, in his name to all nations. And in order to proclaim repentance, a pastor must tell people about God's law and then tell them how they break it. A pastor must show people that they are wrong and that the penalty for being wrong is eternity in hell. And pastors do this in love because they want to make people aware of their spiritual danger and then move them to a place of spiritual safety. And after people become aware of their spiritual danger, the pastor then has the wonderful opportunity to proclaim forgiveness, the good news, 
And there is a place that this is safe. There's a safe place from spiritual danger. And that place is at the cross of Jesus Christ. We proclaim Christ and him crucified. Have you ever heard me say that before? That's the safe place. In today's gospel, John the baptizer died. And although he was a great prophet, he was still a sinner. And his death saved no one. But his death did witness to another. And his message in life and his witness in death pointed to the one who would follow him, to the Christ. Now, sometime after John died, other rulers conspired to commit another crime of violence against Jesus. And they tortured him. And then they nailed him to a cross. His death, Jesus' death on the cross did something that John's death could never do. Because Jesus had lived a perfect life. He had not committed one sin, not one. His sin, his death on the cross was totally and completely undeserved because he had not sinned. Because Jesus died in total innocence, his death takes away the sins of the world. That means this, that he died for your sins. He died for my sins. Those who place their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, they are safe. Safe from the eternal damnation that our sins deserve. Now, the pastor also has the opportunity to proclaim the good news of the resurrection. And the news that although Jesus died for our sins, this is the most important part, that although he died for us our sins, he did not remain dead. Jesus is true God, and death cannot, did not, will not, Hold him. He rose from the dead and he lives and he reigns forevermore. And Christ's resurrection opens up the door to eternal life in heaven for all who believe in him. And what a tremendous joy it is for pastors to proclaim the victory of Christ that gives us the forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and salvation. Spiritual spotters have lives that are full of contrasts. They want all people to be in that safe place at the cross of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, many people refuse to listen to the warning, and remain in their trespasses and sins. And this can cause pastors to wet their pillow 
with tears at the end of the day. In other cases, the Holy Spirit works faith in people. And he puts them, the Holy Spirit puts them in the safety that comes with faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And it is then, it is then that the pastor rejoices with the angels in heaven over the sinner who has received salvation. There are spiritual equivalents of falling through a skylight all over the place. This world is full of sin. And when one of God's spotters gives you a warning, he is only doing what God has called him to do. He is warning of the danger of sin, and he is proclaiming the safety of faith in Jesus who died on the cross for you and who rose from the dead. The warning of a faithful spotter is an act of love. It is not an act of judgment. One more time. The warning of a pastor The spotter is an act of love, not an act of judgment. He only wants you to abide forever in the safety of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Will you please stand if you're able? Let us now together confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Jesus Christ and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, preserve your church, O Lord, for your name's sake, in your righteousness and answering in your faithfulness. Since you have sent us forth in this world to testify to your word, let us find conviction and confidence in our confession that salvation is found in the forgiveness of sins through Jesus alone. Lord, in your mercy, sustain the preachers you send, O Lord. Make them bold to proclaim your law against sin and grant that your spirit would work powerfully in that word to humble the proud and bring them to repentance, that they would hear the gospel and receive the forgiveness of sins won for them by Christ. Vindicate all who suffer for continuing steadfast in their callings and keep us from despising your word of correction. Lord, in your mercy, preserve your Blessed estate of marriage, O Lord. Let chastity be prized among your Christians and honored also in the world. Bind husband and wife together in love and forgiveness. Equip them by your Spirit with every good gift to care for and teach the children that you give. Lord, in your mercy, you, O oh Lord, are king over all the earth. You bring ruin on wicked nations and their rulers and are no respecter of persons. Spare our nation and its leaders, O oh Lord. Let the conduct of our civil servants and of our people be wise, just, honorable, and in accord with your revealed will. For the sake of Christ, be merciful to those who oppose you, and remember that you desire all to be saved 
and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Lord, in your mercy, emboldened by our adoption through Jesus Christ, O Father, we bring before you every need of body and soul. Lavish the riches of your grace on Jerry here this morning with us in worship, on Carol here with us in worship, and all who are in time of trial. Lord, in your mercy, you have blessed us, O Father, in your beloved Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, as you have sealed us with the promised Holy Spirit for an eternal inheritance in him, bring us now in repentance and faith to receive your Son's true body and blood, to be strengthened to life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy, and all these things, and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him, who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace any way you want to. Okay, here we go. Please stand if you're able. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave. And by his glorious resurrection, he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks, 
Then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and that we drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us together pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. As your spotter, I'm pointing you to a safe place. This is good for you. This is good for me. This works grace. This rescues from sin, death, and the devil and imparts everlasting life. For those who believe, and I saw you, I listened to you, and if that's your confession, come. The table is prepared. You may be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward.
A friend of mine, when I was new, newly ordained at this church, a friend of mine who was also a pastor, and he said to me, Ken, who gets to do this? Who gets to do what we do? I ask that question of the Father all the time. Thank you. Who gets to do this? In awe and wonder, I say that, not entitlement or any other thing. You also heard me say, do you got the right guy? I'm proof. You proof. That God can use cracked pots to hold to splash living water on those that are around us. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our closing hymn is, Because He Lives.